Isaiah 59, and we're going to read one verse of scripture tonight. You know, I, uh, you're turning to Isaiah 59, as I was preparing for the service tonight, I began to feel, uh, or began to think, I guess I should say it was a thought, not a feeling. I, I begin to think about the series of lessons that I've been teaching and the importance of the subject that we're covering. And um, even in some of the things that, that I've been teaching, although it has been elementary and basic in so many ways, it really, um, it hit me this evening that really, no difference in what I'm doing right now and what I do when I teach doctrinal conferences in Africa because what, what I do there is I go in and of course I have others doing a lot of the teaching leading up to the point where I begin to present the actual doctrines but those lessons are all geared to be foundational they, they are geared to be building blocks to prepare for the real meat of what is going to be discussed. And so it is in the things that we've been talking about for the last several weeks. All of these things, as basic as they may seem, we're really just trying to give you principles that we're going to build on as the weeks progress. We're, we're laying out ideas and concepts that are based firmly in the scripture. And the fact of the matter is that, you know, I tell those men in Africa, you, you miss one lesson in this, and when I really get to the meat of it, there may be things you don't comprehend. There may be things you don't understand. Uh, we find invariably, I don't care how much I stress it, we find that there are people who won't show up until the second or third day of the conference. And in doing that, they've missed everything that we've been trying to, to say to lead up to the, the uh, depth of doctrine we want to discuss. And so invariably, those who are not there for the preliminary lessons have the hardest time comprehending the deep things. Right? I mean, doesn't that just make sense? And so please, I, I want you to recognize, I want you to realize that though the things that I'm discussing right now may seem basic and preliminary, you just have to understand, I'm going to come back and and build on it. In fact, we've been doing that with each week. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching back to previous weeks and pointing things out to you that I've already said, not for the sake of redundancy or simply for the sake of repetition, though that's necessary, but to remind you that there are things we've already established. And, and the Bible is written in such a way that it is line upon line and precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. 
Can I get some amens tonight? Um, and that's why so many people misunderstand the scripture because they want to just pull some verse out of obscurity and build a doctrine on it. And they have no idea how it relates to other verses and other scriptures. And, and so it's important, yea, it is imperative that we take the time to do the things that I'm trying to do, to lay the groundwork so that when we get into specifics, you've got a full comprehension of where we're coming from. Praise God. Amen. So tonight, again, is going to be very basic, very very simple, um, but very necessary. And uh, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best to finish this lesson tonight. Uh, to finish this lesson tonight, period. And uh, especially since we leave for Africa next week. And so it's going to be a few weeks before I'm back on a Tuesday night. I really need to get this one finished tonight. So will you listen quickly will you respond graciously tonight if I have to keep asking for response it's going to slow us down so please help me out in fact would some of you just kind of appoint yourself right now to be the amen corner all right all right you're appointed so you can't back out now there's no no getting out of it now. And so I recognized a few voices in there. And um, so I'm going to be pointing at you if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing tonight. I'm not going to let you drop the ball. Praise God. Hallelujah. Isaiah 59 verse 19. Isaiah 59 and verse 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard. Well, praise God. He doesn't let down the standards so we can kind of blend in and avoid conflict. But that's when he waves that standard even higher. So there's no question. We're ready for this battle. We're ready for whatever hell's going to throw at us. Hallelujah. Amen. And so... It's interesting to me that the prophet said this is the way that God responds when the enemy. You understand this, this whole concept of coming in like a flood. Have you ever seen the aftermath of a flood? Maybe some of you have, may have lived through some. I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't had to live through any real, real flooding. I mean, I've been obviously in flooded streets high enough that the car couldn't pass through. And, you know, that's flooding enough for me. But, but I have been places 
where I've seen the watermark above my head after the floodwaters have reside, have, have, uh, have gone down. And, and, and so the, the devastation that comes with a flood, it's amazing the kind of power water has. It's amazing, and I'm telling you, buildings have been toppled by water. And those that remain standing have been destroyed to the point that they had to be torn down because of water. And the Bible says there will be times when the enemy is going to come in like a flood. He is going to do his best to wipe out everything in his path. But now listen to me. None of this is in my notes, but I feel this right now. This much we know about water. Even in a flood, water always takes the path of least resistance. If something is determined to stand against that flood, the water's going to find a way to try to get around it. And so what Isaiah said was, when he starts flooding us, we're not going to be those least resistors. We're going to raise that standard and let him know, devil, we're standing our ground. You want to destroy somebody. You want to tear somebody apart. You want to devastate somebody. You might as well look somewhere else. Because we're not budging. We're raising the standard. And as Elder Garrett said the other night, we're moving forward. In the face of the flood. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. So when the flood comes, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard. I'm going to talk to you tonight for a while about the significance of standards. Why standards are so significant to us. Amen. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's, let's ask the Lord to help us, to talk to us tonight. I do feel the presence of the Lord here. We need his help. Let's everybody, let's, let's, let's talk to God right now. Can we do that, Jesus? I need the touch of the Holy Ghost. I can't do this without you. Lord Jesus, Lord, I want to But God, if you'll help me tonight, I know your people can go home fed. They can go home with clarity, with direction, God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, do exactly that tonight. We need 
us, God, tonight. Help us, God, tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Let's worship him one more time. Everybody lift up your voice. Lift up your voice and worship to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. When, when we start talking about standards, I think it is important that we understand what that word really means. Now, it might interest you to know that the, the main definition, at least in years gone by, uh, the first and foremost definition of the word, as we have come to use it, was a flag. It was a flag, an ensign. It was, it was a distinctive emblem of a government or a body of men or a military unit. What we would say they're carrying a flag, they would say they are bearing the standard. That's what a standard was and is. But we have come to use it now as any established measure of extent or quantity or quality or value, such as a standard of weight. Or things are a that uh, they use a standard length. That's it's it's evolved into that meaning because that flag that was flown represented something definite. There was there was an exact meaning behind that flag. And that flag was the standard by which the army, the government, whatever, was to operate. We'll deal with this more in just a moment. But, but we, we've now taken that word and allowed it to, to evolve to this, this uh, established measure. And even beyond that, any type or model or example that should be used for a comparison, such as you are expected to live up to a certain standard of conduct. Well, hallelujah. Now, the... the English word standard, in fact, comes from an old French word, um, spelt much the same way, and, and it meant a banner, a flag that was flown. That's what it meant. And, and so here in the apostolic church, we use this word standard all the time to talk about, you know, we have certain holiness standards, but I'm not sure that we really understand what we're saying when we talk about holiness standards. Because that standard 
When we use that word, we ought to immediately think of a flag that is flown high for all the world to notice. Now look, I'm not, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get overly political tonight, all right? But I'm going to tell you one of the things that bothers me about this so-called caravan of migrants. If they're coming to America for asylum, why are they still flying their flag? If you love that country, stay there. If you want to come here, then there's another flag you ought to be flying. All right, that's going to get me in trouble, but but it's the truth. It's what I've never understood. People come into this country illegally, and then they want to go and fly the flag of the country they escaped from. If it's so wonderful, go back. You ought to be thrilled to be in the greatest country on the face of the earth. And I say that with no hesitation, reservation, embarrassment. America's got its problems, but I've traveled around this world and there's not another country like this one. Well, thank you for the four or five that agree, but... It's the way I feel about it. I'm telling you, you make one trip to Africa with me, you go to some of those third world countries with me, you, you see what they're having to deal with, you'll come back and want to kiss the ground. As bad as America is, it's still the best thing going. I, I, I don't have time to get into all that. Yes, we're a nation of immigrants, but I'm telling you that those immigrants that founded this nation assimilated under that flag that we fly. They didn't segregate. Now, they might have congregated based on language, but I'm telling you, they started doing their best to learn our language, not forcing us to learn theirs. Well, somebody's going to accuse me of being prejudiced tonight. I, if, you, if you do, you don't know me. You, you don't know me. I, I do not believe there's a prejudiced bone in my body. This is not about a race. It's about a mindset. It's about a mindset. When we think of standards, let me get back to my subject here. When we think of standards, we need to immediately think of flags. A flag that's flown for all the world to notice. That's what our standards are. A, a flag. You know, a flag is, is a piece of cloth or bunting that, that bears uh, devices and colors and pictures that, that represent 
what a nation or state or organization stands for. We'll, we'll, get, into, we'll get into that in just a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But, but let me show you something. Numbers chapter 2 and verse 2. Let's look at this. Numbers 2 and 2. Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house. Far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. Now, here's what the children of Israel were instructed to do. By tribe, there's a certain place around the tabernacle that you need to camp. By tribe. But every tribe had to fly a flag. Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard, his own flag. There was a flag for Benjamin, a flag for Reuben, a flag for Simeon. And each tribe flew their flag so that anybody could look at a group and say, I know who your daddy is. You could tell it from afar off. I didn't have to walk into the camp and start asking, what tribe do you belong to? Because in the middle of that camp, there's a flag. And I knew. They knew. They were not ashamed of who their father was. That flag flying in the midst of their encampment was their visible sign to tell everybody who their father was. And I'm telling you, church, that's what holiness standards do for the church. They say to this world, let me tell you who my daddy is. I want you to know and to recognize my father is holy. Well, praise God. It ought to be obvious. It ought to be recognizable. See, standards can be of great value if we'll use them for the right purpose. Now, standards are not to make us better than others. In fact, you know, I think I can apply this. This is not, obviously not the interpretation, but, but when the Apostle Paul wrote about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 13, the thing, you have to understand that really, we say 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter, but, but let's look at the context. Chapter 12 is about spiritual gifts. Chapter 14 is about spiritual gifts. Paul did not change the subject because, again, there were no chapters. He's talking about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, and then love, and then spiritual gifts. He didn't change subjects. What he was saying was, we need these spiritual gifts, but they need to be administrated in love. Love has to be at the core of all of this. And I'm telling you the same thing is true when it comes to standards of living and standards of dress. I, 
I've seen it too much, church. Hear me. I've seen it too much. And this is where, this is where holiness-minded apostolics get a bad rap. Because unfortunately, there are places out there that they are far more interested in lengths and, and other details. And their attitude and their spirit is rotten. People walk in the door and the first thing that happens is they get judged because they don't line up to the standard. I'm telling you. And, 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 and it, it applies when they visit other churches. They look around. If it's not the exact standard we keep, that's a liberal church. And then it gets to the point where when a sinner walks in, they're going to attack that sinner over standards. You know, I've tried. I, I had a man once, and he meant well. But, but he was telling me, he said, ah, you know, I've been telling, I, I'm out here trying to witness to people. And he said, I see these ladies in, in, in their pants. And he said, I tell them, you, you can't do that. God's not pleased. I said, brother, what are you accomplishing? If you get her to wear a dress, do you know what you have? A sinner in a dress. She's still lost. Putting a dress on didn't save her. I'm telling you that, that whatever we do, it's got to be administered in love. It's got to be. And, and standards become much more beneficial if... The love factor is involved. Amen. We're doing things not to try to be better than somebody else, but because we love God. And we know there are some things God likes and some things God dislikes. And I love him. This is not legalism. This is love. I love him. And because I love him, I want to make him happy. Praise God. That's the whole thing. I want him to be happy. And so it's not because I've got this list of rules, but because I have this overwhelming love in my heart for the one who saved me. And I'm saying, look, whatever is going to please you, count me in. And whatever's going to displease you, count me out. Well, hallelujah. I do it because of love. I'm telling you, the more that, uh, that a person understands the purpose and the use of standards, the better qualified they become to keep those standards. I'm, I'm telling you, church, I've seen it through the years. I've, as, as you know, God took me through a lot of different places before he finally brought me home to, 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 to Olathe, finally brought me here. I've pastored a lot of places. And I'm just telling you, there are a lot of churches that keep certain holiness standards that the people on the pew don't have one clue why they're doing what they're doing. Except the preacher said so. That's it. The preacher said so. So we have to do it. 
Well, this is what our church believes. Well, this is what our pastor preaches. And, and it has been a driving factor in my life from the time that I first started pastoring at 24 that I don't want to just get up and say do it because I say do it. I want to teach people why we do it. Here are the reasons behind the way we live. Because if you can grasp the reason, now look, I, and I want to be clear about this. I'm not trying to be ugly after all I just said about love. But I do want to be clear about this. Whether or not you understand it doesn't excuse you from doing it. Just because you don't understand doesn't mean God gives you a pass. But I do believe that people will more readily do what they understand. And so that's why it's just been a life goal for me. That, that everywhere I've been, I've tried to take the time Teach the people. In fact, this was one of the things that God said uh, in, in the book of Ezekiel. He said, I, I, want, I want my priests to teach the people the difference between the holy and the profane. I want them to teach them the difference. Not just state what's holy and what's profane, but teach them the difference. That's what I want to do in this series of lessons. I want to teach you the difference. Because if you can get these principles, then I don't have to get up and preach every new thing that comes along. Hallelujah. Because I'm going to have a hard time keeping up with it all. And, and quite honestly, I got a lot more to do than try to stay up on the latest fads and gizmos and gadgets. And I just got a lot more to do with my time. But if I can put a principle in your heart, then you know this principle applies. I don't care what it is. The principle applies. Praise God. And that's what we want to do. That's what I am trying to do. David, I believe, understood the purpose of a standard. Listen to this, Psalm 20, verse 5. We will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now, here's what David was saying. You know, I've got a close relationship with God. I want my banners to be set up in the name of God. Of the Lord. In other words, I want everybody to know whose side I'm on. I'm not ashamed to be one of His. I'm not embarrassed to be one of His. I don't have to try to blend in with everybody else because I'm not everybody else. I belong to Him. And that's all I care about. And I want everybody else to know I'm His. I'm his. And so in the name of our God, we're going to set up all of our banners. I want to indicate to others where my strength comes from. What was it he said to Goliath? One of his first acts on behalf of God's kingdom. You come to me with your sword and your spear, but I come to you how? Not to prove to you that David's tough. 
I'm not here to show you how big my muscles are or how smart I am. I'm coming to you in the name of the one I serve. Because it's him and his people you've been defying. David was not trying to protect David's name. He was protecting God's name. And boy, if we could ever get that revelation, that in everything we do, it's not. So what's somebody going to think of me? You know, again, I'm not trying to be rude, but they don't need to be thinking of you. They need to be thinking of the God you serve. Oh, hallelujah. We need to understand the purpose of standards. Because in this spiritual walk, there, there are standards that identify the church as belonging to Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, as long as we are not afraid of the enemy, then we're willing to wave the banner high. You know what causes people to let down their standard? Fear. Now, I'm talking military sense. I'm telling you, 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 you go back and read about some of the great military battles. You know, here some months ago, we made a trip to Gettysburg, and, and I preached for how long, Josh? You had it all timed. I don't know, but... I, I, no, it wasn't that long, was it? Uh, a long time, all right? But, but I'm telling you, one of the things that you will see as you start reading this is it, that there was always somebody who was the standard bearer. They didn't just have their marksmen. They didn't just have their, their, their men stationed behind the cannons and men carrying their rifles. And No, no, no. They always had a man. Bearing the standard. And he was always right out front. He wasn't hiding. He wasn't afraid. And I'm telling you, if he got shot down, somebody else would jump in and grab that banner. They did their best to keep it from ever hitting the ground. They were letting the enemy know, we're not intimidated. We're not afraid. We, we are not, we are going to win this battle. And you're not going to make us drop our standard. I'm telling you, it, it's brave. When you know they're aiming, and especially when you've got people that, that are starting to, you know, they're getting into hand-to-hand -hand combat, and, and, and somebody's trying to shoot the enemy, it'd be real easy to hide that flag. They may not be able to see quite as well what color your uniform is in the midst of all the dust and the, and, and, and the gunpowder and the, and, and the bombs going off and, uh, you know, the explosion of the cannonballs. And, and it, it would have been easy to take that banner and stuff it down the back of their pants and put it behind their coat. But they weren't going to do that. They wanted everybody to know, I am fighting for freedom. I'm fighting for freedom. Well, hallelujah. Amen. And so people, I mean, honestly, that's, fear is such a big,
big part of why people drop their standard. Oh, but we're going to run people off. People aren't going to want to come. I'm telling you, all of that is fear. It's all fear. We have an obligation to maintain a standard, whatever the cost. We have an obligation to maintain the standard. So let's talk about the purpose of standards here for a few moments here tonight. Um, you know, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, here's what Jesus said about us. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Ye are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now listen to me, church. Oh, I feel this so strong tonight. I, I know I'm not, I'm not preaching 90 miles an hour, but I feel this so strong in my spirit tonight. He said, he said a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You don't just blend in to the hillside. When it gets dark, you know where that city is. Well, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Do you understand what Jesus is just, what he's just said? There's a purpose for lighting a candle. There's a reason why you light a candle. And you'd be defeating the purpose to light it and hide it. The whole purpose of the light is to identify things and to dispel darkness. So men don't light a candle and put it under a bushel. They put it on a candlestick. They put it out there where everybody can see it. And where it can illuminate everything around it. Read. Let your light so shine. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. Now I'm telling you. I don't know this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. But do you even know what you're singing? What is that little light of yours? It's your good works. It's the way you live. It's the things you do. It's the way you talk. It's where you go. It's what you're looking at. It's what you're listening to. It's how you treat others. It's how you dress. That is your light. And the whole purpose is so that others can see it and recognize they don't look like everybody else. They don't act like everybody else. That which attracts attention to a person is the light that others see. I want to tell you, if we're not careful, the light we shine may not be God's light. We may be lighting our own candles trying to draw attention to ourselves 
Well, trying to get others to look at us rather than looking at our God. I'm telling you, I've seen apostolics that met the standard per se. Hemlines, necklines, sleeve links. But the clothing was so flamboyant, so extravagant. You're not, you're not shining the light of Jesus at that point. You're shining your own light. And yet, if we were dressed, you remember I, I, I dealt with this in one of the previous lessons where the Lord said of, of the, the priests, he said, Moses, I want you to tell them to dress for glory and for beauty. And God put glory above beauty. So whatever we do, however we dress, it ought to always be number one priority. I want God to get glory. Not about how pretty this is, how nice this is. But is God going to get any glory out of this? Or is everybody just going to be looking at me? I'm telling you, many times... What we wear on the outside is revealing the personality and the character on the inside. Amen. I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. Now. The apostle wrote to the church at Corinth and he said, we are ambassadors. You know, an ambassador is someone specifically chosen as a representative for a particular government. And you know, God does have a government. But we often quote, in fact, get your Bible. This is not in the notes, but... We often quote Isaiah 9, 6, but we, we get there without reading everything. But I want you to back up Isaiah chapter 9. I want you to uh, read verse 5, Isaiah 9 and 5. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. For this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. Verse 6. For unto us unto a child, us is born. child is born. Unto us, unto a, son us is a son is given. And the government shall now look at this. And we, we skip over this part. He's talking about all these things that are happening. But he said, I just want to let you know something. The one that's coming. Yes, he's wonderful. He's counselor. He's mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But understand this. He's going to set up a government. And the Government shall be on his shoulder. And then we get to verse 7. Of the increase of his of government. Of the increase of his. Can we get verse 7 on the wall? Of the increase of his. What? Government. Of his government. And peace there shall be no end. And peace there shall be no end. 
on the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Will perform what? He's going to establish a government. He's got a government. This is a kingdom. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. This is a kingdom. And we are ambassadors of that kingdom. I don't know how you feel about ambassadors, but I don't want an ambassador to put our country in a bad light. I want him to carry himself with certain decorum. I want him behaving himself. I want him looking like an ambassador because he's not representing himself. He's not in that foreign country for his own good or his own benefit. He is sent as a special envoy to represent another kingdom. And I'm telling you, that's why we're in this world. We are here to represent the kingdom of the wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We have been left in this world's kingdom to be ambassadors for the Lord's kingdom. And we have to live our lives in such a way that we don't bring shame on his kingdom. Well, praise God. So let's, let's, talk about these, let's talk about these standards here for just a little while longer. What, going back to the fact that this word standard comes to us from the old French word that really means a flag, a banner. With that in mind, I, I want you to think about how that a flag represents certain customs or traditions of a country or a people. A flag is carefully chosen and carefully designed to speak of, of a certain lifestyle and a certain philosophy of life. The nation wants to project a good image in designing its flag. The constituents of that nation want people to think of their form of government or their military power and authority, their disciplines, their united convictions. They want people to think of what that flag stands for. That's why you don't see very many flags that's just one solid color unless it's all white for surrender or something along that line but, but not the flag of a nation because that flag speaks of something and it, it speaks particularly of its uniqueness of those qualities that set it apart from other nations are you with me tonight? For example, with the United States flag. With the United States flag, 
there's a reason why it looks the way it looks. Now, I know most of you that are uh, 30 and older, you, you probably learned this in school. Some of you younger ones may not have learned it. Um, maybe 30's going too far back. Maybe some of the others. But it's not taught enough, I can tell you that. But there's a reason why our flag looks the way it looks. There's a purpose behind it. The, the original flag of the United States didn't have 50 stars. It had 13. Because there were 13 colonies that came together to form this nation. Now, at some point after the founding of the United States, the Congress decided that, that they would make it a law that every time a state was added, they would add another star to the flag. And, and some of you may not have known this, but the law states that that star would be added on July 4th after the statehood had been granted. So it doesn't just go on automatically, but it goes on specifically on the anniversary of the birth of this nation. Now there are still 13 stripes on the flag. And that's by design. Even though we now have 50 stars to represent the 50 states, there are and will always be 13 stripes to remind us of the 13 colonies that came together to found this country. The flag is, of course, the canton, uh, the, 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 the field of blue. Uh, canton is just a, it's, it's a large patch that's at the, how can I say this? Everybody understands the terms. But um, the highest point closest to the flagpole. All right, on that side, there's usually a large area, rectangle, square, um, that has significance, and this is a blue canton and white stars. Now, part of the reason for all of that is because our forefathers, in talking about the design of a flag, said that what was happening with the birth of America was there was a new constellation coming together in the heavens. And so, so this is why stars and a background of blue. But, but even beyond that, they... They went on to declare that there's a reason for the colors that are chosen in that flag. The white that is there speaks of purity and innocence. The red represents hardiness and valor. And the blue represents vigilance, perseverance, and justice. Now, I'm just telling you, we just look at it, and we don't really think much about it. But all of that is tied up in that flag. And when we wave that flag, we are saying, this is who America is. 
This is what we stand for. This is what we represent and this is how we live. And so from that concept, the flag being an identifying object, a representation of distinction, with that in mind is how we came to use this term standard in a moral sense. Standards are the model, the example that's to be followed. That's what we're doing when we raise that flag. Follow this example. Purity, innocence, vigor, hardiness, justice, perseverance. That's who we are as Americans. Or at least it's who we have been historically. It represents something. It stands for something. It means something. And the standards that are set in the church are patterns or criteria by which the world can identify our uniqueness and our distinction as the people of God. Every standard that we set in the church is a flag to let the world know we belong to Jesus. In a battle, the flag identifies the soldier of each side. And I'm telling you, the church now more than ever before is engaged in a spiritual warfare. And I'm telling you, when the enemy comes in like a flood, it's not time for us to let down the standard. It's time that our standards become more distinct. They become more important. They become stronger. We solidify them. We rally behind them. Devil, you're not going to get us to compromise who we are and what we believe in. Praise God. Our standards are the symbols that act as a flag to tell the world. These are the convictions upon which we stand. So, these flags address who we are, what we wear, how we wear it, where we go, where we don't go. What we look at, what we don't look at, what we listen to, what we don't listen to, what we say, what we don't say. There are standards for all of that. And so they identify us as disciples of Christ. What was it that the people said about the apostles? Said these are ignorant and unlearned men, but... They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Now, what they were doing, the way they were living, the things they were preaching seemed ignorant and unlearned to the masses. But one thing they could not deny, they've been in the presence of the Lord. He's affected them. He's impacted them. He's changed them. 
they act like him. They talk like him. They preach like him. They behave like him. We may not understand everything we do that they do, but we do understand this. In fact, it was the world who first gave them the title Christians. Those who were Christ-like. Let me very quickly tell you five things standards represent. I really am going to try to go through these as quickly as I can. Five things standards represent. First of all, they represent distinction. Everyone say distinction. Now, I've spent a couple of weeks dealing with the importance of being separate. Let's just very quickly look at this again. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 18. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Right. And Great. what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. Because you are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in I'm them. I'm going to dwell in them. Walk in I'm going to walk in them. And I will be their God. I'll be their God. They shall be They my will people. be my people. Wherefore? Wherefore? Because them. you are his people. Come out from among Come out from among everybody else. And be separate. Saith the, Lord. saith the Lord and, touch and not don't unclean. touch those things that are unclean and, I will and then I'll receive you and, and I'll you. be your father and, you be and you'll be and my sons and daughters saith the Lord I'm telling you the church the, 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 the devil wants the church to become more and more like the world All right. he always has he's wanted us to do Everything the world does. He wants us letting the world set our standards. Right. He wants us to gauge ourselves by the pace the world is keeping. And so we think, well, we're still not quite like they are. But we're a whole lot farther from what he is. He wants us to lose our distinction. In fact, I'm telling you, the devil's not just interested solely in us not being able to distinguish between the church and the world. He doesn't want there to be any kind of separation. Do you understand God's always been a God of separation? Has, has anything that I've said over the last few weeks resonated with you that God is a God of separation? In the beginning, he separated light from darkness. He separated the waters above from the waters below. He separated the waters on the earth from the dry land. He created two separate beings that were male and female. God's always been a God of separation. And so what the devil wants, he wants to do away with any separation of anything. Whatever he can do, whatever he can do to keep there from being a separation. Hallelujah. 
And I'm telling you, this is important. Because when we start getting into specific standards, part of the reason we do some of the things we do is because, well, first of all, there is a difference between men and women. And we need to keep that difference and that distinction as clear as we possibly can. I'm getting so frustrated anymore with, with websites. I'm seeing it more on websites than I guess because anymore you don't hardly fill out paperwork by hand, but, but where it asks your gender, male, female, other. Other. Other? What is an other? I'm telling you, the smarter this world gets, the more stupid they become. And, and I've, I used that word intentionally. I've said before, there's a difference between ignorance and stupidity. This, my friend, is stupidity. When you don't know that there's only male and female, you're beyond the ability to learn. This is, listen, God has always been about distinctives, about separation, about differences. In fact, he said, I'm telling you, some of you got the wrong idea about what my coming is even going to bring. He said, because I'm going to put at variance people within their own household. I'm bringing a sword. He said it. There will be a separation when God is involved. So we can't try to look like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, dress like the world. You know, I don't know if he coined the phrase, but, but it's been attributed to him probably more than anybody else. But they say that it was Senator McCarthy um, during all of the... Uh, um, trying to track down the communists uh, in, in the government and throughout our country. And uh, it's, it's been said that he was the one who first came up with this when they said, well, Senator, how do you know a communist? He said, well, I look at it very simply. It's like this. If it walks like a duck and it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, pretty good chance that's a duck. If they look like a communist and they act like a communist and they're hanging around other communists, pretty good chance that's a communist. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you that what the devil wants is for us to lose that distinction. And so it used to be that somebody could be told, Look like a man, act like a man, dress like a man, talk like a man. I heard old brother, brother um, Marcus say one time, he said, you know what, if I had a high-pitched voice, and he said, I kind of 
had a little sway to my walk. He said, you know what I'd do? I'd go hire on at some kind of a dude ranch. And he said, I'd start gargling some gravel until my voice got a little deeper and a little rougher and I learned how to walk like a man. Well, I'm telling you, it's still the plan of God that men and women be totally different. We are in such a sick world. This is the truth. Now I'm about to, I've got to, I can't, why are you letting me do this? I got to blame it on somebody. I just read the other day, this is the truth, that a teacher was suspended, was, was actually transferred to some other school for this reason. There was a young girl who said she identified as a boy. And so she wanted to use the boys' locker room and showers. And it was this teacher's job during gym class to check on the kids while they were in the showers. And this teacher said, I'm not going in there. There's a girl in there. And the school disciplined him for not walking in where a teenage girl was showering because she identified as a boy. I'm going to tell you, somebody needs to set her down and explain a few basics and say, honey, I don't care what you identify as. You're a girl. Stay out of the boy's locker room. And these little sissy boys that did I say that? I said it and I meant it. They don't know if they're a boy or a girl. It's time to man up. It's time for you to, 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 to decide, amen, that God made you a certain way and you need to start acting that way. Get a backbone about you. Lord, I got to help myself. I'm about to really get stirred up. One preacher said, my wife told me, I can't even get anointed unless I get mad. I'm about to get really anointed here if I stay on this subject very long. Ladies be ladies and men be men. And young boys Make up your mind to be a man. Men take on responsibility. All right, I got it. No, I, no, no. Stop it. Stop it. I got to get done. I said I got to finish this lesson and my time's already up and I'm not done. God has always Always wanted there to be a distinction. Amen. Um, let me move on. I'm going to try to get, I'm going to have to skip over some scriptures here. It's all your fault. Um, number two, standards represent warfare. Everyone say warfare. warfare. So they represent distinction. They represent warfare. As I've said, standards are set up as a declaration of war. They are our military flags. And, and we read it in our text, so I won't take the time to read it again. But this is what the prophet said. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, God is going to raise a standard. God's going to lift up a standard 
against the enemy. God's going to make it clear, this is war, oh boy. This is war. Well, although the world of sin may become darker, it's only going to make the light of truth and the church stand out and be more obvious. There will always be a people who will stand for righteousness in the face of adversity. They will not be afraid to raise high the standard of the church. They'll always, there will always be a people willing to do it. Amen. Let me move on. Let me move on. Number three, standards represent quality. Everyone say quality. Amen. I'm telling you, it's life is like a theater stage upon which we pass but once. We, we, whether you like it or not, are on display for this world. And we have to show them the quality of life God has made available. If for no other reason, we ought to display high standards to reveal the value of God's work in us. I heard a preacher say one time, he said, you know, he said, I've thought about this world and and man, how bad it's gotten. He said, I remember as a boy, we never locked our doors. We had screen door. We never locked it. I mean, we, we could leave the house for a week and not worry about it. He said, and then it dawned on me. We didn't have anything in that house worth protecting. And now we've become more affluent. And we've got things people might want to take from us. And there's a reason we start locking doors. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you, we've got something very precious on the inside of us. And when we just leave it loose and unprotected, we're saying to this world, we don't really value what God has done in our lives. But as we separate ourselves and we put these protections in place and we have these standards by which we govern our life, we are telling the world, there's something on the inside of me. I'm not giving up. I'm telling you, you're going to have to take it. You're going to have to take it from my cold, dead hands. I'm not going to give it up. When God called me out of a world of sin, I made up my mind, I'm never going back to that. What he put inside of me, I'm telling you, when I'm down, he cheers me up. When I'm sad, he gives me happiness. When I'm confused, he gives me direction. When I'm alone, I feel his presence. When I'm sick, he heals my body. I'm telling you, he did something for me that's worth protecting. It's worth putting some value on. Oh, Jesus, help me. Standards represent quality. Quality. Romans 8.15. 
For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, spirit of adoption. whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God picked us. He chose us to be his sons and daughters. That ought to put something in us that we want to value the choice that he made. I don't want him to regret what he did. First Peter 2 verse 9. I've got to hurry. But ye are a chosen generation. You're a chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. I'm going to say I'm chosen. You have been chosen by God. You're a chosen generation. A royal priest. You are a royal priesthood. Listen, you're, you've got royal blood flowing through your veins. I read a story one time about a, 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 a little princess that, that her, her uh, nanny was trying, her governess was the term actually I think they used that was trying to teach her certain protocol and certain, certain ways to act and behave and, and, fi- and one day in defiance she looked up at her and she said, I don't have to do that because I am a princess. They said that that wise governess looked down at her and said that's exactly why you have to do it. You're not like everybody As royalty, you'll behave differently. Well, hallelujah. You're a royal priesthood. And holy nation. You're a holy nation. A peculiar you people. are a peculiar or a unique people. That, that word doesn't mean odd. It means unique. That's really what it means. In fact, in another place it said that this is his peculiar treasure. It's peculiar to him. In other words, nobody else has got one like it. And that's what Peter is saying about us as the people of God. There's not another people on the face of the earth like us. We're unique. We're unique. Peculiar people. That you should show that you forth should, the praises. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness. darkness. You ought to be showing this world, I am royalty. And it's not the king of England that's my daddy. It's the king of kings. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Number four, standards represent ownership. Everyone say ownership. Maybe I should say it this way, conquest. Standards represent conquest. Because what is it when when the explorers of old, when they landed on new territory, what was the first thing they did? Plant a flag. Why did they plant a flag? To show this land is now under the control of the kingdom I represent. When Neil Armstrong and and, and, uh, uh, Buzz Aldrin and whoever the third guy was, um, I should know that. I was actually alive when that happened. I was, I was a kid, but I was alive. Um, Neil Armstrong got out on the moon, first man on the moon. And do you know what one of his first acts was? He planted an American flag. It was America that built the rocket that got us here. It was America 
that paid for this voyage. It was America that sponsored this endeavor. It has been America that has sat behind those computers for these long hours and guided us and directed us and gotten us back on course and corrected us when we got off. And we're planting a flag as a symbol of our conquest. And I'm telling you, church, when God comes and takes up resident in your heart, it doesn't matter who lived there before. This land now is owned by a new kingdom. There is another territory that is now owned by him. And I'm telling you, the way he's going to let the world know this is now his land is by the flag that's flying. It's by the standard that we're living by. Are you hearing me tonight? I know my time is up, but I still feel this so strong in my spirit. I'm telling you, this is how we let the world know I used to be a part of the kingdom. All right, I thought it was my earpiece had gone dead. And uh, it's my mouthpiece. Hallelujah. Praise God. This one's not as loud in my earpiece. I might as well take it out without having to adjust it. I'm nearly done. Listen to me. We, we need to recognize we used to be a part of the kingdom of darkness. We used to be a part. Amen. We were owned by somebody else, but there was one who paid the debt. He took care of the expense. I may not be where I want to be yet, but I'm telling you, every step of the way, he's been guiding me. He's been correcting me. He's been helping me. And I'm going to bear his flag everywhere I go. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verses 28, 29. And we know that oh, all things... Did I, I skip that? I'm sorry. That was in the last one. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Your body. In you? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost that's in you. Which you have of which God. Which you have of God. And you are not your own. And you are not your own. For your this body. is why I tell you, it doesn't matter if you understand it or not. It doesn't matter if you understand it or not. Because you don't belong to yourself. You belong to somebody else. You are not your own. For you are bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify therefore, God in your body. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, and in your spirit. which are God's. You know what he's saying? God conquered new territory when he took control of your heart. Now, don't be ashamed to let the flag of his holiness fly over your life. He earned the right. Oh, I feel this tonight. I don't know if anybody else is feeling what I'm feeling, but I'm telling you, God earned the right to fly his flag. It's time you take your flag down. It's time you take your flag down. God earned the right to fly his flag in your life. Oh, hallelujah. 
All right, number five. I told you five, and this is number five, so I'm quitting. Number five, standards represent unity. Everyone say unity. Psalm 133, verse one. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You know, I've, I've said this before, but, but if, if you're out here, uh, you find yourself in trouble, you, you start looking around for a particular uniform. Because that uniform identifies someone as belonging to a very unique group of individuals who have the authority to protect you. Your house is on fire. You're looking for somebody that's dressed a certain way. Many. jacket how come they get to put their name on there can just anybody wear that not supposed to this is Jason's Deli how important is it what difference does it make it makes a lot of difference to Jason's Deli. And I'll tell you what, if he acts like a knothead with that jacket on, it makes a big difference to Jason's Deli. And I don't care if it's McDonald's. They're going to tell you how to dress. But no preacher's ever going to tell me how to dress. Okay, well, just go work at McDonald's for a little while. And then come back and talk to me. Because I can promise you their quarter pounder with cheese is not nearly as important as your soul. And yet if you're their employee, they get to tell you exactly what to wear. In fact, they're going to tell you what time to show up. You come dragging in late, you better have a good reason for it. Because they have a standard. As yucky as McDonald's is, they have certain standards. And you're going to look a certain way and you're going to behave a certain way. And you're going to be on time and you're not going to leave until we tell you you can leave. Or else turn in your uniform. But we come to church, the most important business on the face of the earth. We are doing the Lord's work here. He came to seek and save that which was lost. This is the most important business on the face of the earth. Is it really out of line that we would have a certain kind of uniform? So that when a sinner's out there, they know who to look to. They know who to find. They know who to ask for help. 
Is it really too much to ask to say, look, when you say you're a part of New Life Pentecostal Church, don't be acting like a knothead. Don't get out there and treat people like dirt. Well, was it you that was telling me about the, the restaurant where they, the whole crowd was there and they, they'd only given that? Well, somebody was just, just the other night was telling me. It wasn't you, you'd have remembered. But they, oh, it, it was maybe Amanda was talking. It was Amanda talking about being somewhere at some, some meeting and went out to eat and said, the waitresses were not expecting the crowd because of this conference. And they were, they were totally overworked. And said the, the, woman, the woman gave that waitress, what was it? Like a dollar tip. Now, I, I'm telling you, church, that's when you're acting like a knothead. If you're going to do that, don't tell them you're from new life. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I, I honestly remember a time I wanted to take my wife out. It was our anniversary. We wanted to go eat at a, the nicest place I could afford. And so what, it was um, like a Western sizzling or something. It was about the best I could do. I mean, we were really scraping it together to eat there. It's one of those places where you order, you know, and you're walking through the line and you get down here to pay. And when he gave me the total and I opened my billfold, I said, oh, no. I said, sir, I'm or ma'am, I think she, I won't check. I said, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to change my order. She said, we've already turned it in. I said, well, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I can't, I, I can't order what I ordered. And she said, why? I said, honestly, because when I pay this bill, I don't have any money left for a tip. And I refuse to eat and not be able to tip the waitress. And she said, just a minute, sir. She went back and got the manager and he came back and he said, sir, don't worry about it. You take the food you ordered. I'm going to give the waitress a tip in your name. He said, we don't have this happen very often and we appreciate it very, very much. I'm going to tell you, I would rather do that than to offend somebody and then try to win them to God. See, the uniform we wear is not just the clothing. That's part of it. But our actions and our attitudes and the way we treat folks, all of that's a part of it too. We go back to acting like a knothead and I can promise you if he's got that Jason's Deli jacket on and he gets to telling the customers off or treating them wrong, they're going to want that jacket back. Are they going to want to rip the label off the front? Are you hearing me tonight? I'm telling you, church, this is the most important business on the face of the earth. And we need to show this world we're standing together. Now, I, I, I'll get into, in our next lesson, Lord willing, I'll get into why there's differences from church to church. I'm not talking about any other church. Whatever they preach or don't preach between them, their pastor, and God. I'm not turning up my nose at them and running them down. But here, we are a body. We are a body. And we have certain standards. 
They don't apply to the person down the road. And their standards don't apply to us. That's why God gave you a pastor. We'll talk about that next week. But, but I'm telling you, to this city of Olathe, to this city, we need to have a unified effort. We need to present a unified picture so they know exactly who we are. I, I, I've, Lord, I didn't know that I don't think he would mind me telling you this, but when Brother and Sister Merriman first moved to the Kansas City area, they went and visited another oneness church. And he told me how they found us was they went to that church and they said when they walked in people looked at them and said oh you must go to Brother Regan's church and he said they went a little ways and somebody else came up to him and said oh you must go to Brother Regan's church he said after about three or four people saying that he said I told my wife I said I don't know who Brother Regan is but that's where we belong you know what that doesn't bother me in the least in fact, I'm kind of happy about that. I'm kind of glad we got a reputation for having a godly appearance. Well, I think this is the way it ought to be. I think this is the way it ought to be. Because this is our flag. This is our flag. Within Israel, each tribe had their own flag. And the standards that we set are the flag for New Life Pentecostal Church. And I don't just set them arbitrarily. As I said, we'll come back and I'm going to deal with all this. But but it's just important that we rally around our flag. Let the world know we're not ashamed. We're not embarrassed. And we're glad to be a part of this regiment. Let's stand tonight. I've kept you way longer than I planned. Let's stand. Lift our hands to the Lord. Let's talk to him for just a moment, Ken. Come on, right where you're at. Just talk to the Lord.